Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business. We kick off the afternoon with the call. 60 minutes where we analyse 10 stocks and a stock of the day that has been sent in by viewers. We put them to an expert panel for their opinion and we got an expert panel with a capital E and a capital P today. Uh, Henry Jennings remark us today. Henry, how are you? Good to see you. <laughs> welcome to Hump Day, Hump of the Week. Andrew Wheeler Good, thanks, from David. DP Wealth Advisory in Toowoomba. Andrew, how are you doing, sir? Koshi, Henry, I, I've got a, on social media before, you know, when you were advertising it, you called, um, you know, the hump day duo. I'm like, we're not the hump day duo, we're the dynamic duo. <laughs> I'm just Robin, I'm just to be really clear about that. Not yeah. Robin. Uh, but the dynamic duo. So right. Talk to us and get that sorted out, that'd be good, please. But you're very good friends. <laughs> no. <laughs> We are. Goodness we me. are. We are very good friends. <laughs> <laughs> Batman and Robin. All right. Little and uh, large. Uh, let's get right into it because I always run out of time talking to you two and uh, we don't want to miss a minute of it. Before we get into the uh, uh, 10 stocks of you that you've suggested Andrew and Henry have a look at. Um, stock of the day, hard one uh, uh, not to miss today. Commonwealth Bank reporting a near 20% bump in cash profits to $8.65 billion with a record $6 billion share buyback being announced, $2 per share final dividend. Uh, the financial giant confirming it will continue to target a payout ratio of 70 to 80% of cash profits. This despite warning about ongoing pressure on earnings from lower interest rates, adding the pandemic will continue to have an impact on the economy, but stressed vaccinations as well as fiscal support will continue to be crucial. Investors lapping up the news with CBA shares hitting fresh record highs. Uh, Andrew Whelan, what did you think of the result? And uh, also ComBank shares at the moment, of course, I'm catching, catching up with Matt Cobbin here on Ausbiz uh, live at 3.30 this afternoon to uh, go through the results. Um, Andrew, what did you think of it? Yeah, not a bad result, Koshi. Um, a little bit ahead of consensus. Um, certainly that off-market buyback uh, is welcome, $6 billion. If you look at it in the context of the overall uh, capital of CBA, though, it's about 3%, so it's certainly not huge. But, you know, the way they're structuring it, returning, I think it's about $2.1 billion in franking credits is certainly uh, a good opportunity for those uh, uh, clients with self-managed super funds to be thinking about that, seek your own advice. But if in the context of the uh, underlying result, it wasn't too bad, that dividend payout ratio of about 71%. So again, well below the pre-pandemic levels, but about $3.50 odd as a year, uh, total dividend, $2 for this half. Uh, obviously, you know, talking about impacts of lockdown, etc. Uh, look, not a bad result. Would I pay $108 today? I'd be, I'd be struggling, frankly. Um, but overall, solid result and uh, welcome by the market and setting a good tenor for the rest of reporting um, season. Why, why do you welcome a buyback? How long have we got, Koshi? Um, so look, there's a few things to think about. <laughs> One of the things is basically that because they've sold all those businesses off recently, they've got the, all this excess capital, it's about 13% excess, sorry, 13% T1 capital. APRA says they need to hold 11. So they have this surplus capital, they don't know what to do with it. 
they're trying to deploy it. And so what they're saying is we can actually do better by uh, selling off some shares, sorry, buying back some shares rather, buying back about 3% of the capital. So there are fewer shares on issue. Each remaining share will have a higher earnings per share and therefore by definition a better dividend as well. And then dependent upon what tax bracket you're in. So if you're in a high marginal rate of tax, well, getting extra income isn't so flash for you. But if you're a self-managed super fund in pension mode, as an example, and your taxable level is nil, then yeah. getting a monster fully frank dividend is actually attractive to you. So you've just got yeah. to look at your own individual circumstances. Yeah, because you then get the franking credits, <laughs> which were the uh, source of the uh, big debate in the last election, that you actually get a cheque from the government for those credits as well. Um, Henry, what did you think of the result? Um, you can tell that Andrew is a financial advisor, whereas I'm just a, a good old fashioned stockbroker. I just went, wow. It was just a wow, really, for me. It, the numbers are huge. It, it seemed only oh, a couple of years, well, it seems like a lifetime ago that we had the Hayne Royal Commission and the banks were all going to be under pressure and it was never going to be the same again and the whole landscape was changing. And here we are with Commonwealth Bank, all time record high, the banking sector on fire, huge, huge on market buyback, massive amounts of capital, business going extraordinarily well. And yet here we are in Sydney and New South Wales, we have a complete lockdown for a long time to come. And the bank is obviously pretty confident. And I've got to say, just wow, it was a pretty stellar result. And I know that everyone says, oh, they only just beat forecasts. But let's face it, we've been ramping up forecasts for the last six months. Mm. So it's it's still a pretty stellar result, I've got to say. It's it's once again proved that it is the bank uh, out of the, the pack. So I, I think it's um, it's a pretty good result. Shareholders should be pretty happy. I, I talked the other day um, on Ausbiz with the boys from Equity Mates about the holy trinity of reporting season, which was uh, increased dividends special dividends and buybacks. Well, they got two out of three on that one. But uh, it, it was a, a pretty good result. So as Meatloaf once said, two out of three ain't bad. And uh, I think it was a pretty good result. The market seems relatively happy with it. And given it's trading at an all-time high, there was plenty of opportunities there to take some profits. There's also a big short position in some of these banks as well, which I think will continue to push them a little bit higher. So uh, yeah, I think just wow, basically. Yeah. Would you be a buyer at these levels? Would I be a buyer at these levels? I think there's probably better value maybe in the other three in terms of oh. catch up. This is solid. This is a hold. Um, there's right. no reason to sell it if you own it. But if you were coming to buying banks for the first time, then I've got to say I'd prefer to buy Macquarie, to be honest. Right. But, uh, you know, you've kind of missed the Commonwealth Bank boat. That ship sailed if you're not already on it. If you're on it, no reason to get off at yep. the departure or, uh, or the port of departure. Okay, so in the last week, we've had uh, Suncorp, really good, re fabulous result. We've had Commonwealth Bank. Yeah. Does that mean we can expect ANZ, Westpac, NAB to shoot the lights out as well? Is this, is this a, a sector re-rating or is Commonwealth Bank just that, as a lot of people have been saying anyhow, the best of the big fours and the others won't keep up, Henry? Uh, well, I have this thing called the big bank basket, which is a really simple thing. And many years ago, I think back in uh, the dim distant past, about eight years ago, you could buy all four banks for a hundred bucks. It was a hundred buck chuck. And now it's trading at a hundred and well, after today, I haven't ended up probably about 191, 192. Now, the top of this was around two hundred and ten dollars. This is not taking into account any dividends. That was back in, uh, I think it was March uh, 2015, the golden halcyon days of banking profits. So, you know, this whole sector has been massively re-rated. Re it got down to $107 in the March madness that we saw last year with the pandemic. So it's had an extraordinary rise. We've already had ANZ and NABs both announcing on-market buybacks, which is slightly more conservative, I guess, than Commonwealth Bank, because an on-market buyback is when the company buys back the shares in the market. And there are certain rules about what they can pay and how quickly they can do it, etc. But they can, they have got control of their own destiny. So if things start to go pear-shaped again and the custard hits the fan, then they can 
pull back the buyback and not be quite so aggressive. And equally, they can crank it up if they need to. So it does give them some flexibility. Commonwealth Bank just gone, you know what, guys? We've got a ton of money. Let's give it out to you. We've got a ton of franking credits. Go for your life. And I think, you know, that that's a pretty big sign of confidence for them. Will the banking sector continue to push higher? I think it will. I think we certainly uh, are seeing that happen and it will continue to happen. And it does drive our market. Here we are, 7,600 on the ASX 200. And yeah, here we are with uh, continued COVID issues, to yeah. say the least. So yeah. it's an extraordinary performance. It just shows you the, the power of free money. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's Record just, low it's, interest it's, rates. It's, Long may it last. Yep. All Record right. low Tosh. interest rates, as far as the eye can see. Yep. Tosh, yeah, can Andrew? I just go for about 10 seconds? You know our one stock, and yep. someone chose Axe. Henry, how's Axe going today, just out of interest? How's Axe going? Uh, it's up 17% today, but more importantly, I guess, since I recommended it at 75 cents, it's now a dollar ninety. Yeah. So, Thank you. Just that's, that's, gone. Uh, that's gone. That's gone. Well, ah, uh, yes. All right. The, the mutual fan club. Yes. And, uh, throughout the Checking show, the you're going to you're, you're going to uh, return the what? What did you? You went for an ETF, didn't you? If I just go back and look up, Andrew, how's your ETF going? Oh, oh. <laughs> oh Henry, that's a oh. bit mean. After oh. the plaudits he just gave you, jeez. It's all right. Uh, oh, that's what, that's what friends are for, isn't it? Oh, that's <laughs> right. You did the Vanek MSCI uh, World X Australia. Wow. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's I, right. I, I just literally just saw, and I'm not trying to derail the show, but I just literally saw Axe and I thought it needed a special yeah. mention because, yeah. like, that has yeah. been a stellar yeah. call. So well because done. Because they had news out today, um, Henry, didn't they, that they'd got a patent in Korea on. Uh, some of their quantum computing, I think I saw too. They did, they did. I actually was lucky enough to interview the uh, the CEO Mohammed Chakir uh, last uh, week or so ago. Absolutely delightful man, and I am now an honest to god expert in quantum computing. Ask me <laughs> anything. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm surprised you haven't got your white lab, your white lab coat on. All right, let's get into the I'll go uh, and get it. Uh, the ten stocks that um, uh, you've all suggested we have a look at. Um, Andrew Jackson wants a view on APA, uh, formerly Australian Pipeline Trust, gives you an indication of what they do. They're a, an infrastructure business, basically a toll road for all the gas that's produced here in Australia and all the gas producers use the pipes owned by APA and they put a toll on it, clip the ticket is basically the business. Thousands of kilometres of pipeline, but the key difference from a infrastructural toll road um, analogy, if we're using that, is 90% of their revenue, APA's revenue, is unregulated. So if I'm on Transurban or someone like that, the government is putting a cap on what fee it is which is great because it gives you some certainty, but the flip side is it gives you some certainty. So APA, basically 90% of it is unregulated. So from that point of view, it's one of the reasons we, we quite like APA. Uh, we've seen a lot of M&A activity in this sort of uh, um, structured infrastructure space. So uh, companies like Sydney Airports, of course, Spark Infrastructure, et cetera, sort of uh, facing takeover bids. So you'd have to think that uh, APA is absolutely in the mix, but they've had some issues uh, that Aust gas plant um, earlier in the year was causing them some angst. I like it a lot, and certainly the dividend is great. Share price doesn't perhaps uh, share my excitement. Um, I, I think it's a buy. Right. I think that if you're looking for certainty of income, you're looking for that predictability space. Uh, started by a guy from Warwick just down the road, so you know it's got to be okay. So I, uh, I, I think it's a buy. Okay, and particularly for conservative um, investors who want an income-producing investment, that's its and target. Predictability. Yep. Predictability income and some potential corporate activity potentially. Okay, Henry. Uh, no, from me, um, it's it's a hold. Uh, it's I don't know about predictability of income. It's got a wasting asset effectively. I mean, we are going to uh, to zero sort of um, emissions at some stage this is this is not a business ultimately i guess to be in 
in the next 20 years. I don't know whether we're going to be pumping quite so much gas around. Maybe we're going to be all solar and hydro and other forms of energy. But I'm a little bit sus on that because it is a bit of a wasting asset. They have had regulatory hurdles placed in front of them. They also did have a takeover bid some time ago, which was not back on national interest uh, issues with the, with the government putting the kibosh on that. It's, it's, it's safe, secure to a point. It's not very exciting. It's a hold. It's got a relatively good yield. And Andrew's absolutely spot on in terms of uh, long life assets. And we've seen that at the moment, that long life assets are really in demand. The Canadians seem to like our long life assets. They've always been big on our long life assets. They've been big movers and shakers in toll roads. And of course, uh, Sydney Airport is another long life asset that uh, has attracted some interest from overseas. So it's, it's got that potential. It's just that it's a bit of a kind of a 20th century fossil fuel company. Um, and I can't really see it getting too exciting, to be honest. I think there's okay. a lot better long life assets to be involved in. But uh, it's a hold. There's no reason to get panicky if you if you hold it. But if you're looking at something in that space, I think there's better value elsewhere. Okay. All right, Carly uh, wants to view Henry on Ray's Investors as the micro investing uh, platform where you know, it's the old acorns, isn't it? That you can put a little bit away on a regular basis. Uh, they're in Australia, Indonesia, and Malaysia. Um, uh, a recent update said they're on target to have a billion dollars in funds under management. And, uh, and also um, Acorns Grow, which is uh, its second largest shareholder, uh, about to list on the, gearing up to list on the NASDAQ. Uh, what do you think of Ray's? I've got to say, Kosh, yeah, I like this one. have done for a while. I even use it. Uh, I put a little bit of money away every uh, every week in this one. It's a sort of a, a sinking fund. I was going to say it's my holiday fund, but as we don't seem to have those anymore, <laughs> uh, they seem to have gone by the wayside. <laughs> there's, there's no point. This this was my uh, this is my trip to uh, to Europe fund, and uh, so that I don't spend it because it seems to be quite hard to get it out. It takes about five or seven days to liquidate it. The great thing I think is the innovation this has brought, and you can choose. It's really simple product, and they, they've got funds under management at the moment around 800 million bucks, and they're pushing into super and they're pushing into overseas as well. And it's a really simple product. You just kind of choose the level of risk that you want and you require and the reward that you're looking at. And it, it kind of dials it in with a, you can have a Sapphire portfolio. They've got nice names. I mean, it's marketing, isn't it? They've got a Sapphire portfolio and various other ones. And now what, what I guess has been part of the kicker for this business is they introduced a custom one where you can actually allocate some of your investment dollars, your change from your cappuccinos or whatever you may be putting into your raise account into Bitcoin. I think you can have 5% maximum in Bitcoin. And that does kind of tap into the millennial zeitgeist to some extent. To some extent. So I, I like this one. They're heading in the right direction. Management is good. They know what they're doing. They've had a few hiccups uh, along the way, but they seem to have sorted those out. And I think the push into super and the push into international markets, this thing will just, I, I hate to use the pun, but I think it will continue to grow um, being called right. Acorn before, so um, okay. this this is this is a good story, and uh, I think we should see this continue to grow over time. So, God is a buy, Andrew. Buy. Yeah, buy. So put me down buy as well. Um, I I too was Ooh. a user of it. Um, I cashed oh. it in for it, if I remember correctly, um, pre-pandemic. So because I, as an advisor, wanted to see what my competition looked like. And you know what? It's pretty scary. And what I mean by that is it's simple as the unfinished yeah. simile. Um, you know, that whole rounding up idea of if I go and buy a cup of coffee for $4.50, it'll sort of um, invest that other 50 cents for me. And that whole idea. Uh, you're talking about that growth in super. Super's up 164%, that sort of funds under management piece over the last 12 months. So it's going uh, incredibly well. Uh, they've now got about 484,000 active customers. And when we covered this last year, Kosh, it was about 365,000. Okay. So it's really, really starting to get a, a big take there. I like it because it uses model ETF portfolios. 
um, it's, it's a dollar. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, and that's not a bad recommendation when two of our experts have actually used it to, um, to stash some money away regularly, take their advice. Um, all right, Andrew, Shane wants a view on the Beta Shares Asia Technology Tigers ETF. Shane says, <coughs> excuse me, I have combination of individual shares, couple of ETFs. Uh, gee, Shane, you're really wooing Andrew here, aren't you? Uh, what's the panel's thoughts on this one? With government regulation tightening on the tech industry, is the long-term outlook for growth within the Asia ETF um, companies now significantly compromised? And I notice, Andrew, that uh, ETFs had $2.8 billion in capital inflow in July um, by itself. That's extraordinary. Um, total uh, capitalization of the ETF industry, $118 billion. Koshi, it's uh, probably nearly time for ETF special number four. Yep. Uh, yep. I'll no. talk about that offline because yep. uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's so when I, very quickly, because I know I've already stolen part of the show with Axe, uh, when I came back from my US study tour, inflows into ETFs in Australia were $40 million a month. Wow. And at that stage, it was a billion dollars a month in Canada. And you talk about the Canadians, they are very much culturally aligned with us. Yep. And that was my light bulb moment going, that's coming here. And as you just said, 2.8 billion last month. So ETFs are a thing, as we know. Uh, so let's talk about Tiger, like a tiger. Um, look, this is a, this is one's a tough one because I really like this one. And I think the overall thematic makes sense, Asian tigers. However, and I'm certainly not xenophobic by any stretch of the imagination, but given everything that's going on at the moment in China relating to their crackdown on technology companies, uh, in particular education companies over the last fortnight or so, the market quite rightly is becoming quite concerned because markets, as Henry and you know, don't like uncertainty. And the Chinese government interfering in um, capital markets is causing uncertainty. You saw, in, as an example, that Diddy rideshare uh, float in, uh, in New York a couple of weeks ago, where after three days it listed because the Chinese government wasn't happy with them listing, basically took their app off the Chinese app stores. As you can appreciate, that wasn't very helpful for their business. Mm. So if you're having a look at sort of the underlying companies held by this ETF, there are a number of companies that are not impacted by this government intervention. Companies like TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor, Samsung, they make up about 20% of the index. But then you do have companies that are being captured by this action, companies like Tencent and Alibaba. So I think the thematic is strong. I think something like that semiconductor exposure that we just spoke about is attractive. But on balance, the uncertainty scares me no end. And yep. uh, for my more conservative clients, it's been a sell. For my more uh, growth-focused investors, it's a hold. Okay. All right. Henry? Uh, <laughs> um, haven't ETFs done a great job in naming themselves? I mean, if they were called a low-cost listed managed fund, <laughs> Wouldn't be quite so exciting, would it? But e ETFs have become a thing, haven't they? They've become, it's a bit like uh, patriotism being the refuge of a scoundrel. Uh, ETFs have been uh, a great place for um, people to invest in and been pushed extraordinarily hard. This, this one, I mean, a the Asian tigers, I mean, is it tigers or pussycats? Because at the end of the day, my, my gripe with, with ETFs or the low cost listed managed fund is that you've got to remember that you're buying the underlying assets, not just buying a theme. I mean, they put cute names in like drug or food or or whatever in, into the ETF thing, which is great and it's good for marketing. But these, this one has four stocks that provide 40%. This is 40% of this basket of stocks is four stocks, two of which, Tencent and Barbar, have been under serious pressure. So you need to read the small print you need to work out what that says on the tin and that pds as to what that etf is doing not etfs are gonna not all etfs are gonna make you rich just because you think asian tech is going to do well you don't pile into asia because that's the one um because clearly that's tencent and barbar have had some serious issues in china and that those don't seem to be going away so for me at the moment you know if you wanted to buy asian tech go and buy samsung go and buy Taiwan Semiconductor, 
that at least gives you some pure play because I don't know anything about the other stocks in this basket at all. I haven't even heard of most of them. So you're, you're buying into things you've never heard of and you're just trusting the fact that it's called a pretty name. It, it just, it, yeah, it worries me sometimes, I've got to say, but it's great marketing, guys. Okay. Well done. <laughs> Andrew, did you want to respond to that? Oh, Koshi, where to start? Um, no, I, I think uh, I think my learned friend has really hit on something very much. And, you know, looking at some of these internet forums where so the one we're talking about, Asia, I wanted exposure to Asia. What's going on? Literally looking at the tin, but not actually reading yeah. the tin, if that makes sense. That That is a significant issue. One, one quibble, if I can put it that way, is that we're having an active ETF conversation, a thematic ETF conversation. There are also passive ETFs where we're just literally buying an index. Mm. So, you know, you could buy something like STW or A200 or IOZ, which basically buys the top 200 companies in Australia. And you don't necessarily have to be across every single one of them because you're just saying, I like Australian shares and I just want exposure to that long term and I don't want to try and pick which is the best of the 200 because I know there's an 86% chance over 10 years I'm going to be wrong anyway. So it depends upon what focus you've got. Am I passive? I just want to follow an index or I want to be active and I want to try and pick a theme. Sure. And if I'm in active mode, what Henry's saying, okay. read the tin, understand it. All right, let's crack on. Uh, Peter wants to view Henry on American Pacific bore rates. Uh, Peter says, I, I was thinking twice about reading out the comment from uh, Peter. I'd like a view on ABR from Henry Jennings. I worked with Henry many years ago and regard Henry as the cream of the crop. Obviously, <laughs> you, can, you can give Peter his 20 bucks now. Um, what do you think of uh, American <laughs> Pacific bore rates? I've got to say, hi, Peter. And I have to say that was many, many years ago. That was a couple of lifetimes ago, but hope you hope you're doing well. Um, as far as American Pacific goes, uh, these guys are into Boron, uh, Fort Caddy in the US. They've got a project there and one in Southern California as well. It's around 530 million bucks. They have got some I don't know, Boron's not exactly the most um, sexy of materials. I, I guess it's closely linked a little bit towards the lithium story, mm. but lithium has really hogged the limelight. Uh, this, these guys are going for a, a New York Stock Exchange listing at some stage, and there are, it, it looks okay, but it needs, you know, there's a few things it needs. There's a few environmental issues. It's still a long way to go before anything really exciting is going to happen. It took a big, uh, it took a big dive. Uh, at one stage and it sort of settled. I think it's a hold, Peter, to be honest for me. It's it's not in the, the sexy sector at the moment is by far and away lithium. Boron, I guess, is a bit of a derivative. It's used in a lot of things that are everyday products and a lot of uh, high-tech stuff as well. But um, it's not sexy. It's, it's still got a ways to go. The New York Stock Exchange listing could help uh, once they get that sorted out. But... Uh, I think there's okay. more exciting places to be at the moment than uh, than boron. Andrew? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a hold. Um, certainly the bore, I didn't know a lot about boron apart from the lithium piece. So I did a bit of work on that. And apparently it's also a micro food nutrient delivery. So it's got that food security piece as well. But for all the reasons that Henry spoke about, they're holding lots of cash. They're holding about 54 million in cash. That's about two years worth of cash. There's a bit to go here yet. So it is a hold. Okay. All right, um, Shahana wants to know, Andrew, whether you find Amcor a bit more exciting. Uh, Shahana says, uh, it's trading for the last five years between 14.15 and 16.50 with a reasonable dividend, 4%. Uh, it is a defensive share, but is it worth holding in a portfolio for the long term? Of course, it's the big packaging group, not only packaging containers and cartons, but also it's in that pharmaceutical area and packaging there and uh, also um, health um, coverage as well. Andrew? Yeah, the short answer is yes. Um, it's And sorry, I should have also said right at the beginning of this segment, a number of these companies are actually reporting their profits this month. So we need to be very right. cautious because profit reporting season. So in the case yep. of um, Antwoor, 18th of August, um, I like it. I like the defensive nature as we just heard um, from, the, from the viewer. Uh, strong return on equity, good margin, PE's not too challenging at 15 times. 
a bit worried about those rising input costs. Is that something that we need to be sort of mindful of? Uh, but if you're in direct share land and you want something defensive, Amcor would immediately come to mind and I'd be very comfortable with it. In ETF land, I'd buy something like IXI, which is consumer staples. But guess who would do a number of the packaging for IXI companies? Mm. Amcor operates in 39 countries. So yeah, it's huge. a buy. Yep. Uh, Henry? I, I'm going to have to agree with my, my learned friend, Andrew, on this one. I think it's a buy as well. Uh, raw material costs are an issue for these guys, and they do seem to be containing them quite well. And some of the costs that they see in raw material, especially in aluminium and things like that for canning, uh, they can be passed through to the consumer. They have contracts that allow that. So I think this one has potential for an earnings surprise to the upside, and we may see some uh, some broken houses upgrading as well. It's not very exciting. Mm -hmm. It is uh, defensive. It's got around 4.2% 4, 4 fully frank yield, so it's a lot better than sticking it in the bank. So I think on that basis, it's good. And of course, you know, as the global economy expands and it changes as well, especially in terms of, uh, you know, the recyclables, etc. Amcor yep. have been at the head of the pack, uh, if you pardon that pun, which wasn't deliberate. In terms of, uh, in terms of packaging and in terms of what's happening in packaging, and they do seem to have been able to control those raw material costs. So I think it's a buy from me. I think well, okay. we're certainly expecting an earnings surprise to the upside. Okay. Um, you were lukewarm on uh, on APA earlier for uh, conservative, defensive yield producing company. Is this one of the ones you'd look at as an alternative to APA? Yes. Right. Uh, I, th I think it, I mean it's a, it's a different kind of asset, but it's yeah, uh, it, it's a crucial part of the supply chain and obviously packaging. Uh, it is a nice defensive stock to own. Yep. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Um, let's take a look. Uh, just recount our first five stocks. Stock of the day was uh, Telstra. Uh, a hold from Henry. A no from uh, um, from Andrew. These stellar heights. Hundred and eight dollars on the Telstra share price after a. Uh, a fabulous uh, reporting um, announcement today. APA, a yes from Andrew, uh, a hold from Henry for uh, defensive um, investors uh, who want yield, uh, a yes for raise from both Andrew and Henry. Um, Beta Asia um, Tech Tiger ETF, hold from Andrew, a no from Henry. American Pacific Borat, uh, a hold from both and Amcor, a yes from both if you want one of those defensive foundation stocks that uh, also give you a good yield. Um, here on the, uh, the call, we've been following our own fantasy portfolio, tracking it since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner Navtrade. All the stocks that get two thumbs up from our expert panels uh, today, Raise and Amcor, uh, go into the portfolio. Let's check to see how it's going. Uh, for the last uh, week, up a quarter percent. For the month, three percent uh, since the 1st of July um, this financial year. So since the beginning of last month, up almost three uh, percent. If we take a look at so, some of the stocks recently added, uh, BHP, Nick Scarly, Sydney Airport, Osco Healthcare and Appen. Some of the stocks removed, Evolution Mining, Premium and McMahon. You can see all the stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, Henry Kim wants a view on Oracobra um, in the lithium market. Uh, uh, I notice Ords have just increased their price target uh, to a buy. Uh, JP Morgan as well. It's um, looking at a proposed merger with Galaxy Resources as well. Oracobra, the lithium group. As John McLean famously said in Die Hard, welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> you know, uh, better late than never, JP Morgan. Better late than never, Ords, to the lithium story, because, guys, it's happening. Yep. And it's happening big time. And they have been upgrading their numbers. And they were very, uh, I guess, very front and centre yesterday and the day before uh, with this leg up in the lithium price because of their upgrades to the, the price of the underlying commodities. And this is, this is one of the issues with resource companies is that um, the analysts themselves may be really keen on a stock, but because there is a guy in London, and I'll use this example, who is the resource guru, 
and I remember from days of yore when I was in broking working for investment banks, who is the result resource guru, he may not be quite so bullish on, on a specific metal and his what he says goes and what he says goes in the model and without that being optimistic in the models, the analyst in Sydney can't upgrade. Uh, right. We've seen upgrades for these. Oracle Galaxy are getting together. This is a, a marriage made in heaven. It's going to offer some diversity uh, in terms of uh, hard rock and, and brine pools. It's going to offer diversity geographically. The deal should be consummated towards the end of this month, 25th of August, I think it is. There are tax implications for Galaxy shareholders. Interestingly, they haven't actually come up with a new name, but that, that remains to be seen. But um, this one has run really hard, as have all the lithium stocks. Every time I think there's going to be a, a break and they're going to pause for breath, it just doesn't happen. It's like watching yeah. an Ethiopian running in the marathon. It just doesn't <laughs> happen. They just keep going. Um, I've, I've, got to, I've got to say, I, I, it's hard to get massively, massively, 100% all in, boots and all in these stocks at these prices, but I have been proved wrong. Uh, Pilbara is the same, Oracobra, Galaxy, they've all been going great guns. I can't see that ending, but I think they may have got a bit stretched. If you've got them, it's a hold. If you haven't, you have missed the, the party starting big time. Uh, it could go for years, of course, but uh, you know that this stock's gone from three bucks to ten bucks in the last uh, under th under three bucks since uh, you know in the last well since October. So yeah. it, it's gone pretty hard. These yep. things have gone pretty hard, and it's all on EVs. It's all on lithium. It's all on greening the planet. We've seen Code Red uh, being issued the other day by the UN. Um, and, you know, you can't handle the truth. Oracle break continues to go high. It's got to be a hot. It's almost a buy. Almost a buy, even up here. Wow. Andrew? I think Henry's trying to get, you know, you do a podcast every day and there's like a topic or, a, sorry, a title. I think Henry's trying to outdo me. And I think you did it there with John McLean. Well done. Um, <laughs> I, th I think it's a buy. Uh, we'll talk about another one in a minute that uh, is also a buy, but uh, in this sort of space, but certainly there's a tease for you. But yeah, for everything that Henry said, I mean, that JP Morgan report spoke about 19% compound growth per annum for the next 10 years in the lithium market. So, you know, I've bored you many times with the rule yep. of 72. If you want to find out how long something's going to double divided into 72. So if JP Morgan are correct, what they're basically saying is that the Lithium market's going to double every three and a half years, and yeah. for all the reasons that we just spoke about. So, uh, this will be a top five uh, the merged company, Galaxy, uh, and Opera Cobra um, together will be a top five uh, producer. They've got 457 million in the bank. Um, there's lots to like. Uh, it's running hard, but it's running hard for a reason for, uh, for all the greenification reasons. So, it's a buy. Okay. All right. Um... Uh, Libby wants a view, uh, Andrew, on class. They, they develop a, uh, basically an administration and in, investment platform for self-managed super funds. Yeah, we've actually used class in the past and it's been, for us, financial advisors, it was sort of promised a lot and probably didn't deliver as much as we'd hoped, more, more our understanding of the product as opposed to the functionality. Accountants love it. And if you look at their client retention numbers, I, I think I've got something like 99% client retention. So it's a very wow. sticky product. But equally so, they've gone through a number of, well, sorry, they're going through a transformation process at the moment. They're about 20 months into that. And that actually sort of from a share market point of view, you can see why. It's a very thinly traded company. For a $225 million company, Koshi, $160,000 a day in share trades taking mm. place. So it's pretty thinly traded. Um, I think it's a hold. The PE of 29 times is pretty challenging if they can deliver upon this transformation, though, because the ROE, the return on equity is 20%, it's a 15% margin, and it's trading well below consensus. Consensus is 240, as you can see there, it's 185 at the moment. Results again due on the 17th of August, so just be a little bit dangerous. Uh, sorry, just be careful because it could be dangerous. But Really, you're buying their ability to continue the business transformation piece. It's a hold. Okay. Henry? Uh, well, I'm going to defer to my, my learned friend once again because 
he's actually used this product, so that's always a good thing. And I think that's very important. That's the reason why I used Raise is to actually get a feel for how these things work. That's the reason I've used Zip and Afterpay and all these other things. It's to get a feel for how it actually works in real life. Um, great retention. Perennials just gone to over 10%. There's buyers. It's definitely a hold. Not the most exciting. In a good space, the new management's come in. They're transforming this company a little bit, tidying things up. They recently... Uh, pulled out of a deal, I think it was Filippo Capital or something, uh, that they pulled out of a convertible note with. So it, it's it's a hold, I think, okay. is the answer. Not not the most exciting. And as Andrew says, volumes and liquidity, bit of an issue. Okay. All right. Uh, Jenny wants a view, Andrew, on the battery tech and lithium ETF, ACDC. Jenny, in fact, says, could I get Andrew's view on it? Sorry, 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 Henry. Say up, Henry. You can just have a rest for a couple of minutes. I'll, I'll, I'll handle this. <laughs> She's related uh, to I've Peter. I've got plenty to say on this one, mate. <laughs> I've got plenty to say. I find that hard Trust to believe. Um, look, I like it. You obviously didn't read the newsletter. <laughs> uh, today's or yesterday's? Um, no, I, I like it. I haven't read today's. I'm sorry. The day job's been getting in the way. Um, I uh, I like it. Um, but there's a few caveats, and again, this is another one of the read the tin uh, jobs, as, as Henry quite eloquently puts it. So what it does is it holds, at the moment, 32 companies, and they're focused on lithium mining as well as battery technology. Uh, and, um, and, and sorry, also autos in there as well. So it's got names, some of the ones that we've just been mentioning, uh, Pilbara, Galaxy, uh, mineral resources, uh, Tesla's in there, right. uh, Nissan's right. in there as well. So it's got you know a number of companies that will benefit from this whole lithium space. Um, it's only 322 million uh, funds under management, which I think is pretty surprising. As you know, Koshi, I do a segment called The Drop every alternate Thursday, and I started giving this one a bit of a nudge along in probably August, September last year at 74 four dollars yep. i think it was yep. so you know 96 it's going okay um for all the reasons that we just spoke about before uh, around what's happening with lithium important to note though that it's reweighted every six months so basically it's an equal weight etf so in other words just for the sake of simple maths each one of them are three percent and then every six months it's recalibrated so at the moment some of these positions are five and a half six percent so if this continues at half year end there's going to be a big reweight that takes place which is why we saw quite a strong dividend there uh, or distribution as it would be in sort of June last year. So it is going to be volatile, but if everything, if we believe everything we we're just saying about JP Morgan and lithium and sort of the greenification, et cetera, this is uh, certainly one that you want to have in your back pocket. But again, you don't want a heap of it because it's a thematic. You know, you right. might only have 2 or 3%. Okay. Henry? Um, right. Well, I'm really disappointed, Andrew, that you didn't read my newsletter today because you've got mentions and I got... I was so excited that we were going to have an argument on air and you failed me. So <laughs> that's, that's such a shame. Um, this, this is another one with a cool, this is another one with a cool name, isn't it? ACDC. I mean, how much cooler can you get than that? Um, again, you've got to read what's on the tin. This has got 32 stocks, as Andrew says. It's kind of sprawled out across so many that it really... Uh, it, it's it's a it really is a theme. Um, back in January, I decided to create my own ETF, and I called it the Battery Pack. And it was a really simple concept. And I've done this with a lot of other packs over the last couple of years. The Battery Pack basically had six stocks and invested sixty thousand bucks across six stocks, ten thousand dollars in each. This was in January. So those six stocks were Galaxy, uh, Linus, Oracobre, uh, Piedmont. Pilbara and Syrah. Now that's 60,000 bucks that started in January. And I just picked those because they were the big ones in the battery tech space, whether they're lithium, rare earths or graphite. Uh, that 60,000 bucks is now worth $100,000. Now, if you'd invested the same amount in the cool, the very much cooler sounding ACDC uh, back at the same time, I think you're up about four grand. Ah. So, um, Okay. So, you know, again, it goes back to this whole, 
Yeah. Oh, good. He's read it now, you see. Um, so although, you know, it's a very simple concept that just picking those six stocks uh, has worked amazingly well. And I'm not being smart because at the end of the day, I just picked a theme and picked six stocks to invest in in that theme. And they were the best of the bunch. But um, it just shows you that ETFs are not just the answer. It just could be because they've got a cool name right. that everyone gets attracted to. Them. But at the end of the day, um, there are other solutions to the question. There are other ways to play the technology or the battery space. You know, you look at some of the stocks in the portfolio that this owns. I've never heard of half of them, to be honest. Um, you know, it's hard to get research on, on these stocks. It's hard to know what they're doing. They've all got sort of 3% in each, and it's kind of mediocrity, really. It's, it had a big burst up. But since, uh, since the beginning of the year, this, my battery pack has done pretty well. Okay. So I'm pretty pleased with that. And I'll stick with that, I have to say. Sorry, yeah, Andrew. Right. How, are we going? How are we going? I know we've got two to go, Koshi. Have we got a couple yep. of seconds? Yeah, yeah, a couple of seconds um, to rebut. Okay, so basically everything my learned friend says is spot on, but what he's also illustrated so clearly is concentration risk. Now, in this particular example, it's work to treat and well done, Henry. But equally so, and as he said, you know, it could have quite easily have ended in tears as well if the lithium price hadn't moved in the right way. Whereas having a basket, albeit 32, is not much bigger, but certainly it's bigger than six. And an equal weight strategy, what you're actually doing is you're spreading your risk so that you have less of that volatility piece and you're narrowing the focus. So to me, there is no right answer. It comes down to risk tolerance and some of the other things, you know, how can you get research in some of these Chinese companies that are in the basket as an example? But ETFs are going to suit some clients, building your own portfolio are going to suit others. Okay. All right. Let's keep moving on. We've got two to uh, do. Andrew, uh, Peter wants a view on Helios, uh, the healthcare company that uh, provides support for GPs, radiologists and also healthcare professionals. Um, they have a platform, managing platform, but are also in imaging and day hospitals. A lot of people say it sort of competes against Sonic Healthcare and Capital Health on the market. What do you think of Helios? Yeah, interesting business and for a number of years a bit of a sleepy business, but they've really been sort of uh, sharpening the focus, Wes Farmers-esque, kind of getting rid of businesses that no longer sort of uh, fit their pistol, if I could use that analogy, and uh, really narrowing the focus just now to pathology and also radiology. So if we focus briefly on pathology in the middle of a one in a hundred year health emergency, um, and however many hundreds of thousands of COVID tests are being done, they are a prime beneficiary of that. And sadly with Delta, it would seem that it's gonna go on for quite some time yet. Uh, market seems to like it, as you can see there on that chart. Um, PE of 23 times is probably not too demanding. Having said that, though, at five bucks, uh, it's probably fully priced relative to consensus at 485. Results on the 30th of August. It's, I, I think it's a hold, but right. it's certainly uh, or arguably almost another one of these defensive ones. Yeah, uh, Henry, I talked to my uh, daughter living in London and she tells you about all these COVID self-testing things that you can buy at the chemist and we can't buy here because our medical authorities say, well, you've got to have the proper pathology, um, which we're paying through our Medicare system here. I think it's a bit of a rort, but uh, Helios uh, has been a big beneficiary of this. Three million tests they've done so far. Yeah, at $86, at $86 a pop, I think they get back from uh, from Medicare on this one. So yep. it's, um, it's pretty impressive. And, and uh, you could probably chart the number of tests to the share price and it would be cr closely correlated. That's not going to stop. Uh, that's not going to stop anytime soon. At the moment, we've only got really Sydney in a harsh lockdown. But can you imagine if we had Melbourne going into one as well? Yeah. We're doing, what, 105,000 tests here a day in Sydney. Uh, so, you know, this is still a good story. And although those tests in London are, are, are coming, uh, they're still having 25,000 cases a day in London. Yeah. 146 people died the other day in London. And those tests aren't foolproof by any stretch of the imagination. And they're more for, for people that are traveling and those sorts of things rather than for uh, lockdowns and restrictions. So and bear in mind that they've got 75% in terms of vaccinations for their populace, yep. whereas we've got, what, 20%? So yep. we're going to be going to have our um, noses uh, attacked with that um, with that earbud 
for some time to come, I suspect. Helios has been riding this wave. I think it will continue to ride this wave. I think it will continue to push higher. Unfortunately, it would. I would love to uh, say this is a sell because we don't need the tests and we don't have the restrictions, but I'm afraid we're going to be living with this for right. some months, years possibly to come. So you buy at these levels? Buy. Or buy? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and just finally, uh, Henry, Eric wants a view on Ingham's, the big chicken and uh, turkey producer. Um, sell their chicken to KFC and, and the like and also through the supermarkets. Um, I, I think it's a hold. They've got the results, obviously, later uh, this month. I think they've got a big contract with one of the supermarkets coming up shortly for renewal. Uh, clearly, protein is, is a big thing in this world, and certainly uh, Asia demands protein. These guys do a pretty good job. The issue, I guess, for them is the raw feedstock that goes into producing the, the chickens. So uh, those costs have been rising. So you've got to keep an eye on those. I, I can't get excited about this one. I've got to say there's lots of yep. uh, lots of little puns and jokettes I could do on, on <laughs> Ingham's, but I won't. But um, I think okay. it's probably stuck between, uh, between, between levels. Okay. All right. Andrew? It's a hold. Um, results on the 20th of August. Uh, CEO and share of both of them buying shares over the last 12 months, which, as you know, is one of my um, tells. And that strong, uh, strong vertical integration from right from the hatchlings to the feed to the processing, quality um, customers, uh, HelloFresh, I think, is in there too. So they're sort of f further increasing their scope of clients. Obviously, they had a, a big kick with COVID last year. Whether that's going to feed on through, no pun intended. So, yeah, I, uh, I think it's a hold. Okay. All right. Thank you, chaps. Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Great to have you aboard. Andrew Whelan from DP Wealth Advisory. At the top of the show, I promise you, uh, a fun show it always is with you two guys, and we really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Good guys. Good fellows, aren't they? All right, let's just recap uh, the final five stocks. Oracobra, a hold from uh, Henry. Um, on the edge of a buy, didn't quite push into a buy, but had it as a hold. It's a buy from uh, Andrew, uh, even at these lofty levels and the great run that Oracobra has been through. Uh, a hold on class, uh, the battery tech lithium ETF. Yes, a buy from Andrew, a no from Henry. Helios, a yes from Henry, a hold from, uh, from Andrew, and Ingham's a hold from both. So. Uh, today, Rays and Amcor go into the Calls Fantasy portfolio. Um, if you want to shoot us any stocks you want us to have a look at, uh, shoot them through to us on an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or um, through Twitter using the at AusbizTV handle. <laughs>